Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Bob Stoffer at Rogers Place in Ice District, the Edmonton Oilers against one of the league's best teams, the Carolina Hurricanes. A lot of people thought this might be a Stanley Cup preview. Edmonton trying to work their way back into the mix. We're going to head off into the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. The River Cree Resort and Casino open 24-7, 365. Excitement bet on it. And uh, we are pleased to line up for the show today. Our Oilers now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock. W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Today, we welcome back to the show the general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, Don Waddell. Don, it's Bob Stoffer. How you doing? Bob, I'm excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yes, thanks for squeezing us in. I know uh, you were at the Board of Governors meetings and a little bit of uh, salary uh, cap. Uh, and, it's, and, you know, obviously you worked with Ken Holland, so you know the situation here in Edmonton. But a re- relief for, I think, all the teams that it appears as though the escrow is going to be paid off for the players and we can start progressing ahead on that front. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, we went through some tough years there with the COVID situations and, you know, uh, I thought the league did the right thing when we agreed to pay the players through that period of time. Uh, but the way the, you know, the system works, it's a 50-50 split. So now it's all paid back and, you know, the cap will start uh, making progress as revenues continue to rise. Yeah, uh, you've had an interesting career and a long one, and I, I'd be remiss without mentioning, uh, you played at Northern Michigan. And you had a teammate there, and the guy always scored against the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know. It didn't matter if he was in L.A., especially when he was with the Flames and, and later in Vancouver. Steve Bozak. That guy, you, yeah. he was a pretty good goal scorer at your level, too, when you were playing in the NCAA, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. You know, he, he was one of the more talented guys that I probably played with uh, throughout my career. He... Uh, he really saw the ice well. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say he was a great skater. He, he, but his hockey sense and his handling of the puck was uh, as good as they get. So, not surprised to hear that he scored some goals against the uh, the Oilers and uh, certainly had a great career. There was a little bit of an Edmonton connection there. In the uh, is is Northern is Northern Michigan in Marquette, uh, Don? I'm just. Yes, Okay, yeah, so upper, I, I, yeah, upper yeah, yeah. I, I went through there in 89, I remember, on my way to working in uh, uh, sort of northwestern Ontario. But uh, uh, I, I know that uh, I think Craig Sturzer and Jeff Galicki were out of the Southside Athletic Club, and I played with both those guys, and I think they ended up in northern Mi- Michigan because Guy Godowski ended up going to Colorado College, of course, now he's the head coach at Penn State. And, and back then, I mean, I don't know what the percent – obviously – the percentage of NCAA players has grown precipitously, uh, and, and we've seen a bit of a drop-off in Major Junior. There was only eight Quebec League kids drafted last year at the Quebec Major Junior League, and it's now, I mean, it's a compl- I think it's fair to say, Don, not that players were overlooked in your time, but I think there's fairly extensive scouting of the USHL and NCAA. Is that fair? Yeah, very fair to say. And, you know, the, the way, uh, you know, also adding to the... Uh, to the whole um, uh, math, when you look at it, is you know the NCAA players you get a little longer look at before you have to make a decision. You know we're drafting a lot of them as they're going into college, and you hold their rights for the next four years, so you, know, you can watch a player develop. So I think that plays a little bit of a factor. But there's no doubt that you know what USA Hockey's done throughout the uh, the whole states. Uh, you know we draft players from every state uh, there is now at this point. Uh, because of the way youth hockey has continued to develop, and you know the, the colleges are attracting not just the U.S. kids, but kids from uh, Canada and from overseas. 
Yeah, I wasn't good enough to play in the WHL. Like, there was, you know, played in the south side here. There was 12 teams in the WHL. There's 22 teams now, uh, which may correspond to why the Western Hockey League hasn't won a Memorial Cup in the last uh, 10 years. You have two guys. You talk about so, some kids that you had a chance to percolate a bit. Jacob Slavin, you know, fourth-round pick that played at Colorado College. Uh, and then Brett Pesci, who's a pending UFA. Uh, he played at UNH. And just, I mean, just think of where you guys would be if you hadn't, struck gold with I mean these these are two guys that have played 20 plus minutes a game that have been huge plus players their entire careers in Carolina and they really are when I think of how stable your defensive mint I think it starts with those two guys what do you think yeah there's no doubt about it you know when you when you draft players uh, uh, in the third fourth fifth sixth round you know you, you got to progress uh, project where you, where you see them and you got to have some luck along the ways but again there's college players that when they're initially drafted, needed to stay in school and continue to develop not only as players but as people. And certainly as they come out, they jumped right in and, and played very few games in, in the AHL and came right to the NHL and uh, been a factor for our success uh, through our this nice five-run playoff run we've had. And hopefully we'll be able to continue with the uh, Pretty much the same core uh, come next year. Uh, Brady Shea, like Pesci, is a pending UFA. Has he exceeded the expectations offensively uh, that maybe you thought when you guys originally picked him up? Yeah, I mean, no, he had a great year last year offensively. I think he had 16 goals or something as a defenseman. And, you know, when we picked up Brady, you know, we traded for him at the deadline, gave him a first-round pick. Uh, we, we knew that he would contribute to our hockey team uh, in multiple ways. And what he's done uh, since that time is, is definitely uh, beat expectations, uh, internal expectations by his not only his offense he brings, but you know, he's one of the best skaters on our team, and you know he can afford to go up ice and take a chance because if he doesn't go his way, he can find his way back uh, and, and still be playing defense. So his skating, he's just a natural skater, uh, really lends him to do more than what other players can do. Carolina Hurricanes general manager Don Waddell, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Pat Burns once said, uh, God rest his soul, uh, goaltending 70% of hockey unless you don't have it. I'm not saying that Edmonton and Carolina don't have it. I'm just saying they want better goaltending than they have had to this juncture in the season. Uh, we could have a matchup in starting goalies tonight with 881 save percentages. I know that's not lost on you. Uh, part of your challenge is you don't have Freddie Anderson, who's been pretty good. He's got a blood clot. That's a pretty significant absence in your lineup, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, you know, last year we uh, had Freddie and Ranta and uh, Kachikov came up when needed and played well. And we think Kachikov's our, our goalie of the future. Just we were hoping he'd get you know another thirty, forty starts down numerically this year. Which uh, obviously with Freddie's uh, illness, uh, with the blood clot, that's not not possible. So we got to throw him in. And you know, our, our goaltending—it's interesting because. I, I would defend our goaltending a lot more the first few weeks of the season. We went out west on a trip, and uh, we were giving up chances. I've never seen our defense play the way they did because you know we were still winning games 5-4. We won 1-6-5, uh, but we were giving up just a ton of chances. And you know we, we started playing better defensively. And now, you know, it's, it, it, you know the other night we outshot Winnipeg. I think it was 12-3 or 13-3 in the first period, and they came up one nothing. But or it was Ranta. And, it was a two-on-one that Connor made a great play on that 
you know, no goal is going to stop. So sometimes when you look at you blame the goaltending, but you also have to look at the situation of what they're being put into. But uh, certainly, uh, uh, absolutely, we need to have better goaltending. If we're going to have any success uh, going to, not only in the regular season, but going into playoffs, our goaltending has to be much better. What's your thought process? You guys invested a second-round pick on uh, on Kachikov. Obviously, that was a, Ron Francis was the GM at that time. There are organizations that Certainly not. In the first, we don't see a lot of goalie slides in the first round anymore. I mean, they have to be really special. Sebastian Kosa and Jesper Walspat, both represented by Jerry Johansson. Uh, we, we get Oilers fans criticizing the decision to pass on those guys back in 21, uh, both potential goalies of the future. I don't know if Kosa's really tracking like he's going to be that guy yet. I think a big step forward uh, for Wallstadt a little bit. But just where you at? I mean, if you, I guess you've probably seen a range during your management career, Don, because it's it's been an extensive one. You had a pretty high pick uh, with Latin in Atlanta as well back in the day. Yeah. Just a thought on on drafting goalies that high. Well, it, it, it is it is a risk. Let's just face it. We've seen some guys get drafted pretty high that, that didn't pan out, and we took Latin in, who started off uh, before he started getting injured, was having a decent career on his way to uh, I thought a, a long career, and then he had a lot of injuries, but. You know, we talk about we we draft these forwards and defensemen, and we keep saying, you know, let them go play, let them develop. Uh, we draft goalies, and you know, for some reason, the thought process is always a little different than. Um, you know, there's there is ones that obviously have turned out, but if you go through the, the best goalies in our, in especially in the history of our league, none of them are very high picks. You have the, uh, the odd exception, you know. So, goaltending, you know, 10, 15, probably 15 years ago, we wouldn't even think about putting a kid under 23 or 24 years old in the NHL playing goal. We always said, oh, they need to be 24, 25, get that experience. And the game changed uh, in many ways, but that's one thing that we see. We see a lot more younger goalies coming in the league. So, uh, I think with that, there's more risk, but also. Uh, you find out pretty quickly if your guy's the guy that you're going to be able to count on for the next 10 years. At the 26th World Junior Championship, uh, when Yessa Pugliarvi and Patrick Liney were there, did Carolina know they had the best player, Sebastian Ajo, on that line? Well, you, know, you look back and, you know, we've said this over so many drafts that you could say this, you know, you know, yeah. Ajo was obviously a second-round pick, so if you thought he was that good, you should have taken him in the first round. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that's uh, you know, you, you know, Kenny Holland actually got one of the better lines when uh, when I was working with him in Detroit, and we took pa- Pavel Datsuk, I think, in the seventh round, and and everybody, you know, a few years later, saying, "Boy, that was a great pick," and you guys are so smart. And I remember Kenny saying, uh, "We're not that smart. If we thought he'd been this good, we should have taken him in the first round." Um, so, you know, you, when, you, when you draft players, uh, you know, Ajo, you look at what they've done, but where you, where you think they can get. And obviously the projection was high for him. I don't think anybody thought he'd be as good as he is right now. Uh, and only getting better. So it's all about projection. And, you, it, you know, it's like a lot of things in our game, you need some luck. Yeah. And so you get, you get some luck with it, with the player maturing and developing, you end up with players like Ajo. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he's got 23 points in 13 games in his career against the Oilers. Uh, I think Jerry Johansson worked with uh, Radicalio, his Finnish guy, on closing that deal on the eight-year extension with you guys. And, I mean, it's he's obviously a big part. I, I think part of me, you know, j- just Donald, like when I – and Rod Brindamore's a great coach. You can win playing zone. Vegas proves that. Boston proves that. You guys play a lot of man. 
you play a pressure game and you have a lot and you're you're it seems like all of your lines play the same there's not you know even though you've got some high-end skill like Aho and Jarvis is coming and you've got Teravainen and you know Svechnikov on the second line and and even Natchez further down the lineup who I've loved and they had a 70 point season but you think it's fair to say that the, the Carolina Hurricanes definitely have an identity with the way they play as a team which is a pressure game and uh, you, you know and you're not too uh, You've got that man defense going. You're not sitting back. Uh, like I said, some teams play a lot of zone. Boston does. Uh, certainly now Vegas does. Uh, just a thought on that. Yeah, well, we don't hide behind it. We're man. We play man to man, and we want to pressure the puck in all areas of the ice. You know, uh, we're beaten. Uh, well, I don't remember who or someplace. Oh, uh, Philadelphia the other night, and oh, it's two one game, and. And uh, Burns pinches down the boards with four minutes left, and people are asking me, why would he do something like that? And I said, Rod doesn't change. He, he wants to pressure the puck. We don't change our game. We let other teams chase us. So it's, it's a you always see with the newer players that took Oral off a little while here, yep. Burns last year. It's, it's an adjustment period playing because you, you really have to have a lot of trust in your other team members on the ice because if there's one breakdown, it could cause major problems. Uh, with the rest of you, so you got to have a lot of a lot of confidence that your teammates are doing what's asked of them to do, and if everybody does their job on the ice, it's a pretty effective way to play. Speaking of effective, you had a pretty effective third line last year in the playoffs, right? Stall, Martinuk, and Fast. Those guys were terrific for you. Martinuk had a big playoff run. Yeah, he did it, and you know, he's very frustrated right now. I think he had 13 goals last year. I don't think he's got any yet, and he's had so many chances. So maybe up in Edmonton, uh, you know, being hometown and all that, he can break loose tonight. But uh, that line, they, they just do – forget about the score sheet. You know, they're a shutdown line, and, uh, you know, their possession time in the offensive zone, always playing against the other team's best lines is just – uh, remarkable. It's the best in the league for what they do. And then last year, you get in the playoffs and they got hot and added some offense. That's just a huge bonus. So uh, they're 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 a good line together, and uh, they'll they'll chip away. I think they had 41 or 42 goals as a line last year, and I think they got four or five this year. So that, it'll come. They're getting their chances, and uh, as long as you get your chances, eventually the goals will start going in. Tonight features a game with the four defensemen that have played 200 more minutes at even strength, five on five this year. The four defensemen that have got the highest expected goals for it. Your team has three of them. No surprise. Shea and Pesci as a tandem. Jalen Chatfield as well, uh, who really sort of emerged last year. And then for the Oilers, Evan Bouchard is another one of those guys. Now, I, I don't know how much analytics you sort of have if, if, if embraced over the years. I'm going to, I know for a fact your organization definitely does. Uh, so I would have to think you do as the GM. But ongoing evolving situation can't be the be-all and end-all in the judgment you still need to see the player but as much information as you can get is that how you see the sort of analytics side of the business Don? yeah you have to take a look at it because you know especially some games where you you, you, you know the eye test tells us we didn't play very well and then you know you go back and you hear what the numbers are so what i'd like to do is once i see all that then i go back and watch the game and say okay it wasn't as bad as i thought it was you know but 
you know, I think there's certainly a, a place for the game uh, with the analytics. But what you said, Bob, is, is so true that you still got to have eyes on the ice. There, there's a lot of things that analytics can't do for you, and that's watching players without the puck, watching players react after uh, something bad happens and they go back to the bench and they break their stick on the bench and they coach go talk to them. You know, there's a lot of things that you, you, you can't uh, – be a part of if you're not actually watching the game or being at the game that you know the analytics can back up a lot of things as far as scoring chances and uh you know goals that your project projection goals and all that but there's other things that happen in a game that you really need to pay attention to that's my belief anyways all right we're going to wrap with another northern michigan reference and it's guy that briefly worked for the oilers organization that's walt kyle he then went with uh slats into uh, new york city coached the hamilton bulldogs and then he ended up resurfacing for about 15 plus years in northern michigan and uh he worked with maury gare maury gare uh went in hamilton maury gare was the Oilers head pro scout for a while and uh walt walt's a good guy a long time lifer he worked a long time in this business yeah, yeah. Well, well, transferred my uh, uh, second year at Northern. It was ineligible back then. The transfer rules were different. And played uh, my junior year, my senior year. We played together, and obviously have stayed friends uh, for uh, for a long time, and, and including today. Uh, you know, obviously Walt's got a, a new career and a new challenge there with. Uh, recruiting players and so forth but uh, you know Walt was a dedicated player that's what you know he wasn't the most gifted talented player but he, he did it through uh, hard work and preparing himself he did the same thing as a coach you know Walt coached for me in the IHL down in San Diego uh 93-94 season so uh you know we, we got a long history together and uh, uh Walt's a good man uh, was that was was Bill Comrie owning the team in San Diego or Fred Comrie owning the team in San Diego yep. at that time? Yeah, yeah. Bill, Bill and Fred. I, I started the franchise in 1990, and the ownership changed uh, twice. And the Comries bought it uh, in the uh, during the year of 91, 92, and uh, we stayed in San Diego through the 95 season. And then Fred uh, moved the team to LA and. Uh, I left and went to Orlando, but yeah, so the Commerce did own the team at that time. Awesome stuff. Don, much appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on Oilers Now, okay? You got it, Bob. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Don Waddell. He is the general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. It is 5.52 in Edmonton. We'll uh, come back with this day in Oilers history when we return. Brendan Escott's ready to go. We're going to go to this day in Oilers history for New West travel. The Montreal road trip sold out. It's coming up in January. We sold out Nashville. To start the regular season, we're going to have another trip announced shortly. We're going to go back to 2006. The game was at Rexall Place, and here's Brendan Escott. Yeah, the Craig McTavish-led Oilers uh, got goals from Brad Winchester, Jason Smith, and Fernando Pisani in a 3-1 to win over the Carolina Hurricanes, the team, of course, that they fell in the Stanley Cup Final to earlier in that same year. This was the only meeting of the season between the teams in their first regular season matchup in three years. I remember it well. All right, uh, Reed Wilkins will have the City Ford Faceoff Show. He'll drop the puck on that at 6.05. Tomorrow's guests will include Frank Cervalli for the Horses and Horse Racing in Alberta. For GCL Diesel, Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrus. And for Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon. Again, Reed's up next after a global news weather traffic update. I'll join you at 6.33.